morning. How are y'all? Good. How are the rest of y'all? Choir, y'all good up there? All right. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, Mr. Graham. He's going to, we got a new choir member. Awesome. Well, welcome to 7th Street Christian Church. It is good to be here and to see all of you and some people who have been out on the road having adventures. Welcome back. Rick and Judy. Um, just want to point the number of announcements that we have uh, in the bulletin so y'all can read for yourselves. Uh, just want to point out um, a couple of them that are really, really important. Um, we've been highlighting the information about the Cawthorn Fund for the last month. So we've been featuring a different organization that will receive um, uh, monies, if, if approved by, by you guys, will receive monies from the Cawthorn Fund. And so next Sunday, everyone say it with me, next Sunday, which is our fifth Sunday, is our Cawthorn Fund celebration. All right? I know, I didn't tell you to stop, it's true. So our Cawthorn Fund celebration, all five of these organizations are going to be with us in worship. Uh, we will get to hear about them. They will have tables before and after worship where we can um, learn more about them and ask them questions. This is an exciting time. This isn't a time that we're just going to um, uh, just say, you know, uh, uh, here's some money, but hopefully we'll, it'll be a fruitful, continuous relationship that we will get to work with them. So it's a really exciting time. So please, please show up next Sunday. It's going to be fun. Um, we invite you to make contributions for Stone Soup that happens April 14th, Palm Sunday. Um, Liz, I forgot to put out the big, the big soup can, but we'll get it out there for you. Um, so you can bring canned goods and um, contribute to that. Also, last week we printed some addresses for people in our congregation that have moved away, the Clark family, as well as Alita Cockrell. I just want to point out that Alita had had a setback, and so there's actually another new address that's printed in the bulletin. This is the address of her son. No? Oh, it was supposed to be changed. Okay, I apologize. That should have been changed. So that should be a different address. We'll get that out. We'll send that out. Um, but, um, <clears throat> but keep her in your thoughts and prayers. So um, let's see. The other thing I just don't want people to, to overlook uh, is that our outreach committee... We all know that our outreach committee is pretty spectacular, right? We all know this. But um, they gave, they more than matched our contribution for Week of Compassion and sent a check for $1,500 for our special offering for Week of Compassion, which is pretty remarkable and deserves applause on its own. But then they decided to go a step further and double it and give another $1,500 to help with um, uh, people who were impacted in Alabama from the tornadoes. So altogether, $3,000 to special offering um, from our outreach, from 7th Street Christian Church, to Week of Compassion, uh, which is really remarkable. So outreach, thank you so very much. Y'all are amazing. Um, and... On that happy note, let us have our gathering song.
Thank you for being so Join me in the call to worship. In this hour, we will pray. Because we long to draw near to God. In this hour, we will sing. Because words are hardly ever enough. In this hour, we will sit side by side. As a reminder that we belong together. And in this hour, we will cultivate faith together. So let us worship with our open hearts. Let us worship holy God. Join me in the opening hymn found on page 607. O God, God, you are my God, I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh fades for you. At peace with God, let us now offer the peace of Christ to one another. Austin, can we use, there we go, thank you. I'd like to invite those young and young at heart to join me up front for a Lent and learning moment. No, you don't need any musical instruments. Just come forward, just bring your whole selves. Graham, would you like to come down and join us? Anyone else is welcome. Have a seat on the steps. You wanna have a seat over here, Graham? 
You want your mom to come up with you? She's welcome to. So I want to know, have you ever played the quiet game? Yes. Have we played the quiet game? Are we very good at the quiet game? Okay, I have a challenge for us today, and I brought my cell phone up, not to send text messages, but I want to set a timer for one minute, and I want us to be still and to be quiet. You know how to be quiet? Do you know how to be still? Just to let your body rest in a comfortable position and to not move or dance around for a whole minute. No, you can please keep breathing and blinking and all of those things for this minute. Just rest, just be still. Yep, and to have our voices be quiet. We're going to all try this for a minute. So I invite you to find a comfortable position to be still in for one minute's time. Okay. Three, two, one, go. One minute is over. Good job, friends. Good job, friends. You made it a whole minute being still and being quiet. That's sometimes really hard. Sometimes we have to make little movements. Yes, that's true. But for the most part, we were really still and we were really quiet. Did, Did anything come to your mind during that time? Sleep? You got a little tired, Graham? Dancing? Did you imagine yourself dancing while you were being still? That's really incredible. You found some joy? You felt like laughing? Yeah, so what I want us to remember from today's exercise of being silent and being still is that God talks to us, and we can experience God in times when we are moving about and when we are active, but also in times when we slow down enough to sit and to be still and to be silent and just to open our ears to experience God in a new way through being silent. It wasn't a competition. We all did it all together. You did a really good job, though. This was a hard challenge. So what I want to... You did. You waited for an extra long time. Maybe the next time that you try this exercise at home, you can see how long you can go with being sitting still and being silent. One hour. You think you could do it for an hour? I think well, you can do it for, like, nine hours. So during Lent, as we wait and we prepare... Um, for Holy Week and then for Easter, I want you to try and take just one minute per day. One minute, that's all I'm asking you. Families, if you can try and support this as well, take one minute to sit and to be still and to be silent and to try and see and sense God in that time. You want to try it? You did it today, so check Sunday off your list, but try it for the rest of Lent to see how we might experience God in new ways. Can we do that? Go. Okay. Can we pray before we go?
Okay, let's pray together. Will you repeat after me? Dear God, thank you for your presence. When we are on the move and when we are sitting still, help us to listen and to see the ways you are moving in our world. Amen. Oh God, you are my God. I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh fades for you, as in, a, as in a dirty and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift you up in my hands and call your, on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for you. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. I invite you to actively listen or to read along in your pew Bible. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they are worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish just as they did. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? And he replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it, and if it bears fruit next year, well and good. And if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. Something that you may not know about me I can't handle, this is more than just dislike, I can't handle watching movies 
with talking animals. Particularly the movies where an animal is the central character. And this isn't because I'm not an animal lover, because I think most of you know that I am. It is because it's the central character that has to go through some extreme external conflict. And usually, for an animal movie, that means death. And so even if the movie is 98% happy and fun and adventurous and even ends in a happy ending, it's that 3% of whatever the external conflict is in the movie that is absolutely just too much for me to handle. So movies like Babe or Charlotte's Web or Homeward Bound or Bambi and especially Marley and Me, off the table. Absolutely off the table. I have to turn away. Now, I know I'm not alone. And while I joke about animal movies, many of us avoid seeing things. Perhaps it's because we have so much on our plate that we just have to find a way to cope with life. Perhaps we delay difficult conversations because we're just going to assume the worst, or we don't want people to be upset with us, and so we turn away, we avoid it. Or perhaps we just want a quick and easy fix, and we just want to get things done, and it's really easier to entertain not all of the information. Or perhaps we tell ourselves, you know, I'm pretty sure that this pain in my knee is getting a lot better. I don't need to go to the doctor. We tell ourselves until we believe it. Too often we might feel overwhelmed by all the truth. We are bombarded by horrific events in the news, from shootings to political absurdities, and we protect ourselves. We can't comprehend what all is happening. We are overwhelmed by war and violence, and so we avert our eyes. We look the other way. We go back to living in our boxed, safe world. But averting our eyes can result in blindness to the reality that the world holds all around us. Ultimately, it can result in ignorance. As the saying goes, those who forget history are condemned to repeat it. Recently, the Washington Post reported some startling statistics about the Holocaust. Of the responses, one-third of Americans believed that only two million Jewish people perished in the Holocaust, while the real number is well over six million. Only 37% of people were aware that Poland was one of the countries in which the Holocaust occurred. 41% of Americans did not even know what Auschwitz is. And most unbelievably, 11% of Americans said they didn't even know what the Holocaust was. They were unsure as to whether they had even heard about it. These numbers were all the more disappointing for millennials. But we're not alone. Statistics around the world reported, uh, uh, reported similar figures. I use this as an example because if we don't know our history and we aren't 
paying attention, then we don't know the warning signs to keep this from happening again. And when the words never again is the universal phrase to commemorate the Holocaust, we should be aware of how it came to be. Because such a thing did not happen in a vacuum. It didn't happen overnight. It came slow and methodically. It came because a community othered, because people were dehumanized, because a particular group of people were blamed for an economic downturn, because propaganda and terror were used to enforce ideals. In the words of German pastor Martin Niemöller, in Germany they came first for the communists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. And then they came for the trade unionist, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me. And by that time, there was no one left to speak up. In Luke 13, Jesus seems to be capitalizing on the memory of some recent horrors in the community to stress the unpredictability of life. The first is about a recent atrocity that would have been well known to the disciples. How Pontius Pilate had murdered a group of Galilean pilgrims as they were making sacrifices in the temple. And the second shocking story, again a tragedy from the local news known to the hearers. A tower that had fallen on innocent bystanders, killing 18 people. And Jesus asked, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. We are all well aware of those who view tragedies as deserved, those who link calamities with hidden sins that need avenging, after all, those louder-than-life self-professed preachers say this often enough and likely have convinced more people of this connection than we would like to admit. Maybe even sometimes convincing ourselves. And why? Why do we allow this connection to happen? Perhaps to make sense of the world and life. It's easy. But we know it's not true. Jesus calls the disciples to see the world with different eyes. To stop making up excuses and reasons of why bad things happen to us and others so as to make the universe rational. Earlier in chapter 12, Jesus was reminding his followers that they know how to interpret the skies if it's going to rain or if the earth is going to be scorched. And he challenges them with the question, then why do you choose to overt your eyes and not interpret the present time? You know what these signs mean. You know how to interpret the way, and yet you choose not to. The opportunity to look the other way, the convenience to not engage in the truth, is privilege. And it is acting on that privilege that will cause you to perish. Perish. 
invited to repent. We often understand repentance as the activity of renewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs. It is generally seen as involving a commitment to personal change and the resolve to live a more responsible human life. And during Lent, repentance is co-opted into giving something up like chocolate or cursing. Repent means to turn. And in the context of our story, repent means to turn and see what is real. Repentance is a willingness to see what you don't want to see. To recognize the brokenness in order to see what Jesus is ushering in. As I've shared before, seeing is so much more than just vision. It's about recognition and listening and hearing and understanding. A willingness to see what is really going on and asking why. The theme of seeing is is so important in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus sees what others do not or what others are unwilling to see. Jesus sees Simon's mother-in-law and the leper and the paralytic and the tax collectors and the sinners. He saw the widows in Nain and her son. He saw and fed the 5,000 when the disciples wanted to send them away. Jesus turns to see. He turns toward in order to heal. He turns to offer compassion to others. He turns toward his fear. He turns toward his enemies. He turns toward his courage. He turns toward us to show us profound love and to usher in a new way. We are called to repent. We are called to turn from our complacency, to see the world for what it really is, to have courage to to see each other with honest eyes, to turn the discomfort, to turn to tears, to engage the knot in our stomach and even the lump in our throat. We are called to turn to recognize the brokenness in order to see what Jesus is ushering in. Because if we don't, we may miss it. We will surely perish. And aren't we blessed with another day to turn? Aren't we blessed to have another day to learn about the good news, to be granted with a little more time to realize what this is all about, this one precious life, to change our perspective, to see with eyes like Jesus. So who will you see? What will you see? And what fruit might you bear because of it? Amen. I invite us to share our song of of commitment by standing and singing verses 1 and 3 of him on page 280, God is here.
you to remain standing and join with me in the unison prayer of repentance. We will share this prayer together and then I will continue on in the prayers of the people. God of grace, you ask us to care for the poor and the hungry, but that makes us uncomfortable. You ask us to care for the environment, but that requires sacrifice. You ask us to love our neighbor as ourselves, but that requires vulnerability. Instead, we hide our hands, avert our eyes, and choose ourselves. Forgive us for holding tight to our own agendas and letting go of your call to love. Cultivate in us more faithful spirits, hearts that are strong enough to choose one another and minds smart enough to make the sacrifice. God, we turn to you to practice forgiveness and to pray. We will turn to remember those with less than us, and we try to turn to you when the world feels too dark. Cultivate in us a persistent energy for justice. Cultivate in us a resilient determination to show grace. Cultivate in us the heart to claim one another, even when we come from different places and people and religions and political opinions and beliefs. And when we fall short, when we keep your light to ourselves, when we find ourselves caught in the monsoon of our own doubt, when we choose ourselves over belonging to others, forgive us. God of grace, we want to speak poetry because you deserve beauty. And we want to sing songs because you deserve harmony. And we want to do good because you give love like the sun gives warmth, freely and unfiltered. Love does that to people. It turns us into artists and dreamers, believers and optimists. It softens our hearts and makes even the impossible feel possible. And oh, how we need that. If we're honest, our very best does not feel worth much at times. We are carrying around hurt and heartache like a shadow, always one step behind us. And we are carrying around doubt like the sky carries rain clouds, heavy and dark, blocking out the sun. Find us in the rain. Find us in the dark. Find us in the seas of our hurt and suffering and speak poetry to us. God of grace, you deserve our very best. And thank you so much for accepting our best, our worst, and everything in between. In deep gratitude we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And now, with a spirit of generos generosity and a spirit of gratitude, we are invited to respond to the ways that God has moved, is moving, and will move in our lives. Now is the time to share our gifts, to bear some of our fruits, our talents, our time, and our resources, our whole selves, to the glory of God. So let us share in today's offering.
have received from you more than our share of blessings, and we give you thanks. Increase and multiply our gifts this day, we pray, that others may feast of your goodness through our witness. Amen. And now is the time when we gather at this table. We come from many places, differing in age and in interests, differing in backgrounds. And we come together around this table, we discover that our differences are not something we must just tolerate, but rather that our differences are indeed blessings. The more differences that we bring when we gather around the table, the more fully we experience the presence of the divine in our midst. And so come, children of God, just as you are. Come and be transformed by encountering Christ at this table. Wherever you are on this journey of life, you are welcome here. Here at 7th Street, here in this community, and especially here at this table. As we prepare to partake in communion, let us join our voices in singing, I Need Thee Every Hour, verses 1 and 2, found on page 578. As we gather around this table, we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples and took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, this bread is like my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and gave it to them and said, the, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins, poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Holy One, with this bread and this cup you call us to remember. We remember those among us who are hurting, those facing oppression, those in need of love, and we remember you, made known to us here at this table. We remember your love, your prophetic witness, your radical hospitality and call for justice. Being fed by these elements, may we be changed. May we see with different eyes. May we do your Lenten work within ourselves, within this community, and within our world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and our hope. Amen.
the cup of love. Friends, this morning, some of our elders go out and send communion to those who requested it. And so, excuse me, I invite us to turn to our bulletins and read together the commissioning of our homebound with communion. Elders, go with God to those who are not with us, sharing with them the communion we shared this worship hour. Let them know that they are remembered, loved, and continue to be a part of 7th Street Christian Church community. Amen. Continuing in prayer, Holy, gracious God, here at this table, your promises of life are made tangible. We have rested in the depth of your love, and we have tasted your, nourish, your nourishing, nurturing presence. We accept you into our bodies and into our lives. Together at this table, you have offered us life, and together by your grace, we accept the life you offer. And we give thanks in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let us rise and join our voices in our closing hymn, Um, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, found on page 16.
Receive this benediction. We have experienced God's mercy. We have been filled by God's word. We know the steadfastness of God's love. So now let the words that go out from our mouths and the deeds that are lived out by our hands return to this sanctuary, not empty, but accomplishing God's purpose, succeeding in the things for which God sends us into the world. Go now in the name of Christ. Amen. Right here. What she got on? The red? No, I don't care. Okay. See you later.